all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us on Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. And you know what else? What else? Join our third annual All ah, Bad Things nice. Anti Capitalist Holiday Gift Exchange Extravaganza Bonanza. And special thanks to Jennifer Reagan on Twitter. For, for reminding me. <laughs> I saw that today. <laughs> I, oh my goodness, I'd completely forgotten. So it's a little late this year, but basically... It's before all Halloween. It, it is before Halloween. Oh. Um, so basically, it is, it, for those who have not partaken before, it's like a secret Santa sort of a thing, except it's non-denominational. No right. particular religion tied to it. Anything. Um, it can be a postcard. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it can be a gift. It can be a post. It can be whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's we're, meant we're not to be talking. Fun. Yes, we're not talking about something. Something that you want to give somebody that says something about you. Yes, How, and that, that could be whatever it is. It can literally be a postcard. Yes, because mm-hmm. that might say something very interesting about you. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, if you would like to join, you can email us allbadthingspod at gmail Send us your name, and it'll need to be a name that, like, if somebody addressed it, it, you know, it would go to you because they will be using it for your address. But if you have a preferred nickname, you can let us know that as well, or, or alternate name. Um, also, your mailing address, because we'll need to give that to the person who is your giver. And then just a little something about you, just to give point someone in the right direction if they're feeling a little lost sure. about what to yeah. get you. It, it could be like, just things you're into penguin figurines, yeah. you know, whatever. Just just a little something. So this episode is coming out on October 24th, and the deadline to let us know you'd like to join is November 14th. So it'll be open for four weeks, or three weeks? For a few weeks. <laughs> a couple of weeks. And then we're going to be asking you to try and send your gift by... December 12th, which is another four weeks after that. So you'll have plenty of time to think about it. Unless you live in the Balkans. Falkland Island. Or the Falkland Islands. <laughs> you have the say, Hulk, right? Yeah, I was going to say, if you live in the Falkland Islands, it's already too late. <laughs> yes, basically, because it took please, forever. Please but don't Bruce participate. Don't let, no, <laughs> no Bruce, kidding. don't let that discourage you. <laughs> Give yourself a four-month head start if you live. <laughs> it does uh, take a while. Six months, just to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you may get a recipient who is in a different country. Um, if you need, like we said, it can be like literally anything that you send. But if you need help with shipping or anything like that in terms of yeah. cost, you just let, us, let us, know. us know. And we can help out with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Yes, me too. Yeah. This is our third. Yes, it's fun. Three times. It is fun. It really is fun. And very anti-capitalist. It is very anti-capitalist. Yes, indeed. This is not about materialism at all. <laughs> what you drinking? Well, because as a Buffalo Bills fan... Oh, that's right. We haven't even talked about that. <laughs> we are uh, heading into the bye week mm-hmm. at 5-1. and one. 
Three, three of our victories, we literally just curb stomped our opponents. Like our <laughs> the other the other team was never in the game, mm-hmm. and the other two wins, we came back in the fourth quarter with minimal time remaining. Hmm. So, including the one you went to. Okay, oh see? yes. Last if, week. if my voice still sounds a little raspy. <laughs> yeah, you were sounding rough when you got back. <laughs> there's a little bit, a little bit still in there, but because all of that is going uh-huh. on, I'm drinking a Miller High Life. <laughs> Because you're living the high life? We're back in the high life again, <laughs> just like the, the song. Very I don't remember. Who, I remember it's like a... How does it go? I don't know. If you're high s- life? if you're like 70 years old, you'll know what that song is. I, oh. Back in the high life again? Something like that? Anyway, it's terrible. I know I'm back in the saddle again. I do know that one. <laughs> That's Aerosmith. No, it's the old... Uh, Gene Autry, I'm back in the saddle again. It's not the song I was thinking of. Anyway, we're both correct. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, um, the curse is finally broken. Yay. They won, and it wasn't a terrible game. The last time I witnessed being, as I was physically in that Mm -hmm. space, the last time I witnessed a win was in uh, almost exactly seven years ago. I was there, wasn't I? You were, in 2015. I fell asleep during that, didn't I? You did. Yeah, I think several other people did too. Yeah. Everybody got sunburned. That's for sure. <laughs> and thank God they gave out those sunglasses yes. for like breast cancer awareness or yes, whatever it was. Yes, it was because it was during October, yeah. Because as soon as we got there, I was like, fuck. Because I keep my sunglasses in the car just like most people. Mm-hmm. And if you're leaving like early in the morning when it's dark out, you're not, you're not thinking about you're it. You're not thinking of bringing your sunglasses. But anyway, uh, in the entire life of this podcast, mm-hmm. I have never witnessed a Bill's victory. <laughs> that's true in person in person until four days ago and it was like holy shit like everything everything that game got hyped up to be Mm -hmm. it it turned out to be the the final score was lower way lower than most people thought Mm -hmm. but but it was still a fitting final score right Mm -hmm. and uh like i remember vaguely remember uh saturday (laughs) night getting there but uh sunday morning you know i'm we're watching, you know, you're watching all the pregame shows, and the, mm-hmm. everybody's talking about this game, and you're like, "This is gonna be." And then you, you kind of had to remind yourself, like, "Holy shit! Like, I'm here for it," mm-hmm. you know, because it was easily the biggest hyped regular season game and since like the Brady versus Manning era, mm-hmm. easily. So we're talking probably, you know, eight, nine, ten years. But uh, yeah, they finally. Very good. Finally got to witness a win. Very good. It was a lot of fun. But the one the one thing I did want to tell you about, mm-hmm. I was like I wanted to save oh, okay. a I was like yeah. I wanted to uh-huh. save a couple of stories. Okay. So we got in there maybe And you were there with your friend Brandon. I was, mm-hmm. who I go with he's with me pretty much every year. Mm-hmm. Um but uh so we got inside the stadium and in our seats probably twenty minutes before kickoff, something okay. like that. So the stadium was like mostly full by the okay. time we got in there. Mm-hmm. Because we're just like, get something to eat, get something to drink, mm-hmm. orient ourselves, that kind of thing. And um, so, like, pretty much right when we sat down, they started the introductions. Of, the players uh, coming on the field? Yep, okay. and all that stuff. And uh, the flyover and, like, oh, all that okay. stuff. Oh, okay, yes, all the disgusting the, military uh, the propaganda. To- the tomahawk, tomahawk chop. And the cultural I... appropriation, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. All that stuff. Yeah, all the good American stuff. But, uh, so, you know, I mean, you're... Easily, I mean, the loudest stadium mm, I've been to mm-hmm. so far. I mean, it was fucking, like, at sometimes like, uncomfortably loud uh-huh. in there. I'm not even kidding. Uh-huh. And, uh, but, like, right from the get-go, like, 
right from when like they were doing the player introductions and mm-hmm. throughout the entire game, there's this guy like two rows behind us mm-hmm. the entire time, and this is this is the the noise noise is noise okay. he's making. He's just like. Imagine hearing that for three was and a half hours. Was he out of it or something? No, or that was, was his was, way of cheering. I guess. Whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it would say on the on the Jumbotron, it would say, make, make some, some noise. noise and that was it, his noise. It wasn't specific. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he gave <laughs> he, a grunt. He just sounded like he was dying. A wailing grunt. <laughs> Which, I mean, Matt, we literally had to weird. hear that for three and a half hours. And plus, at one point, he fell into us because he was high-fiving like somebody oh, else. No. And, like, all of a sudden, like, me and Brandon feel like, and we're, we're both like, what like the fuck? Like a human fuck? falling on you. <laughs> and I could tell by how he, he had, like, a shocked look in his eye and he's trying to hang oh, on. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I'm like, he was probably, probably trying to high-five somebody and just, like, oh, no. lost his balance lost his balance and just <laughs> fell, in, fell into the only two Bills fans in that section. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but that's, that's really what happened. Uh-huh. But, yeah, he was making that. And for most of the game, like, because we were all surrounded by Chiefs fans, so... It was cool because most of the game, I was sitting next to two like Chiefs fans like our age. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy maybe a little younger and probably his dad who was I'm gonna guess like maybe sixty. Okay. But young enough to you know he was ready to party too. <laughs> you know, so it was cool like talking to them because mm-hmm. you could tell that they were lifelong Chiefs yeah. fans. They could tell uh-huh. I was a lifelong Bills yeah. fan. Mutual respect. Right, mm-hmm. our, and both of our franchises have crossed up so many times. Yeah. It's like uh-huh. it's like oh I remember that player and yeah. this player uh-huh. and that guy, but. uh yeah, to have them. Oh my god! Like I, like I just like <laughs> my my freaking like your hand just I was going just to your like, heart. I was like, I was like, I might have a fucking heart attack like before this game is over. Like hold like the, the stress level because you're there and it's yes. like man, it's like you're <clears throat> by like the middle of the fourth quarter. I was like mentally preparing myself for like if this doesn't work out, like yeah. don't be a fucking sore loser, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you're gonna catch a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. you know just and and if you win don't, don't be, be a, a sore dick. winner yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know and it was just like you know thankfully we won so that's, did you say like good game and yeah, stuff because yeah. it was yeah mm-hmm. and it's just and we were just talking to each other like hey mm-hmm. like we're both gonna have to get used to this see like, you again in is, the playoffs yeah. yep mm-hmm. and this is how it's gonna be for the next decade right hopefully mm-hmm. you know hopefully for the league itself as long as Josh Allen doesn't kill himself right. with what he does, knock on wood. Uh, uh, yeah. Why did you say that? Because <laughs> I knew it would bother you. Yeah. <laughs> you better not, better not let that get out to Bill's Mafia if it doesn't work out this year. For White Lightning. I did that for White yeah. Lightning. Well, I'm not. I will set White Lightning on fire. I will. <laughs> that, that, that's the deal now. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> We have joint assets, so I couldn't even sue you. No, you, you couldn't. That. Nope. I already thought of that. <laughs> I really, di- I really didn't. But now that it's on, now that it's on record. <laughs> so what shall we be talking about? Okay. So we have a podcast. Doc, today, don't we? Doc, we have a topic. <laughs> so I did tell you that this was the first of this type of disaster. You did tell me that. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. And it was a suggestion of our. Dear listener and frequent script contributor, Stephen. Very nice. I had a feeling. (laughs) This is the story of the Alice Springs hot air balloon crash. 
Oh, an air we balloon. We have never done, done one. an air balloon. That's true, and there's plenty of them. There's there's several. <laughs> They're not typically no. as a dead like body count Mm-mm. high. It's as... usually two people. Oh well. Oh, but you can only fit so many people in a hot air balloon. So, on August thirteenth, nineteen eighty nine, two hot mm-hmm. air balloons collided over Australia. Oh no! One crashed to the earth killing 13 people on board in what was, at the time, the world's deadliest ballooning disaster. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, So we're going to get into how high in the air they were and all that kind of Mm stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure I want to know. I know. Uh, Sources, primary sources, balloons above the valley, balloon flight, Britannica, the Ellensburg Daily Record, explain that stuff. Hot Air Flyer, How Stuff Works, The Sunday Age Agenda, and Wikipedia. You can tell I was looking up hot air balloons. Yes. <laughs> so my uh, my title for this first section is Up, Up, and Away in My Beautiful Balloon. Do you know that song? Mm. By the Fifth Dimension? Up, up and away in my beautiful, my beautiful balloon. I was raised on metal. <laughs> Hard rock. So fifth no, I... dimension. Do you know who fifth, the fifth dimension is? No idea. They did. Um, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Aquarius. Yeah, okay. That's, That's the, fifth dimension. That's the they I also know. did. Bill, I love you so. I always will. Who would write a song about Bill? Well, it's called Wedding Bell Blues. That's oh. the only time. No, oh. they actually mention him many times. Yeah. When will you marry me? I think it'd be yeah, a better song if it was William. William. I love you so. It doesn't. It's more formal. It's better than like Bob. It is, <laughs> I love you but so. It's, but it's still Bill. It is Bill. Yeah, it was the '60s. It. Yeah, there were more Bills back then. Yes, so. You like, should like it. See. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Any one syllable word. <laughs> you need a long. Eh, mm-hmm. Not on. Yeah, you need a bit of a bridge there. <laughs> so. 277 episodes in, as we are. Wow, I know. We, I, we have never covered a hot air balloon crash. We have covered a letting go of balloons disaster. Yes, the Cleveland Balloon Fest yes. disaster. Which was turned out to be an environmental disaster. Yes. Uh-huh. That was why we did it. And we did the Hindenburg, which was a dirigible. That is true. That is true. Yep. Which, adjacent. It is, yeah, absolutely. It's not, it doesn't absolutely. work on the same principle, but it's... Both, the... I mean, both things are still around. How about that? Yes, uh-huh. 130-year-old air technology we still use. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, I'm hoping it's better. I... <laughs> we'll find Ju- out. Judging by 1989. 1989, yeah. In this uh-huh. case, not so much, but... Uh... So are we ready to learn all about hot air balloons? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I have a confession to make. Hot air balloons are not okay to me. Yeah, like, I don't they think I would. me, and I don't think I'd ever do it. I don't think I would ever do it either. Unless we're like, if we're like 50 feet off the ground. I'm like, I can survive that. That's not how it works, though. Sure. I the whole know. point is that you're up Way there, so you get air. to see all the vistas, yeah. right? Which is a nice idea. It is. But when you think about what is exactly it's, it's going a little, on. It's a little scary. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And the more you learn about the signs of it, actually, the worse it gets. Yeah. So there, so, goes. So there goes that. Yes. Um, so let's talk about exactly how hot air balloons work. So the basics of a hot air balloon, in terms of science, are in the name hot air. So do you know like the basic 
theory that makes hot air balloons even work? No idea. Okay. Hot air rises, cool air falls, right? Okay. Well, the idea is if you have something that has hot air in it, and the uh, as opposed to the rest of the environment, which is cooler, that hot air will rise. Mm. If you can capture that hot air, say, in a balloon, it will actually lift things. That's crazy. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. Like, I never come up with that. No, thankfully other people but then this would have never happened. Right, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, hot air can this, provide lift and cool air. Yeah, at this time, like, yeah, I mean, and really the Industrial Revolution had everything to do with it. But there are so many scientific breakthroughs in the late 1800s. This was not in the late 1800s. No, no, no. The disaster itself. I'm talking about when they first... No. This goes back to the late 18th century. Does it really? It does. We're going to get into that in History Corner, but let's talk Science Corner first. Wow. Yeah. I know. This goes a lot farther back. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. So the basic theory is, you know, hot air rises. So... This can be drilled down a lot more specifically. Specifically, a cubic foot of air weighs approximately one ounce. Okay. Okay, or about 28 grams. Obviously, that varies. Like, it's going to vary by temperature, but that's an approximation. Um, If you heat that cubic foot of air by 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 38 Celsius, the weight of the air drops by about seven grams. Okay. So it's a specific, it's what is that, like a quarter? A, it, it goes, decreases it by a quarter. It's kind of like punching a hole in the air a little bit. It's kind of what it sounds like. Well, it makes it lighter hmm? so that it will lift. Hmm? That's, that's the idea. So you can work out the math to the fact that every cubic foot of air heated that 100 degrees can lift sure. approximately 7 grams. And then taking in people's weight and Yep, you can work out the math. Yeah, this is uh, how much we're going to need. Yep. But the the thing is, 7 grams is like a quarter of an ounce. Mm-hmm. So that's a tiny bit. And we're talking about a cubic foot of air. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so you need thousands of cubic feet of air to do that. Um and uh, the way I put it was, if you get thousands of cubic feet of that hot air, then you're cooking with gas. Ha ha, pun intended. <laughs> All right. So the balloon part of the hot air balloon is what traps that lifted heated air in order to lift the basket that's underneath the balloon okay. and the balloon itself. Sure. And because of the thousands of cubic feet necessary to lift any significant amount of weight, that balloon needs to be enormous. The actual yeah. balloon. And they, yeah. they are. are. It's actually really hard to tell because you see them up in the air a lot or pictures of sure. them. But you can tell they're fucking huge. Oh, it's enormous. And we're going to talk about yeah. how much. Especially when there's like a cluster of them. Yes. You can tell uh-huh. how big they are beside each other. So to further parse out the math, if you wanted to lift a thousand pounds, which isn't that much. If you think about human weight plus the weight of the basket and all the periphery. It's really not that much. It's not that much. That balloon has to hold 65,000 cubic feet feet of air. Feet of air. So to put that into more measurable dimensions, an average hot air balloon is 50 to 60 feet or 15 to 18 meters wide at its widest point. And between 60 and 80 feet or 18 to 24 meters tall. It's six to eight stories high. It's so huge. Yes. 
Yes, it is. And every bit of that space is necessary because you have to hold those thousands of cubic feet of air. Because you need it. You're not. You're literally not wasting any of it. Right. Yeah, it's getting all captured in mm-hmm. that balloon. Exactly. The baskets that carry actual passengers on a balloon can carry various numbers of people. And again, the size of the balloon increases since the weight load increases. The largest baskets can carry. Do you know how many people? What's your guess? Uh... I hope it's no more than 25. I'm going to guess like 50. I don't know. 32. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The trade-off is that the balloon <laughs> has to be a lot more towards that 80-foot oh, high, yeah. huge yeah. balloon. Like you're lifting like a city into the sky. Yeah. Almost. Well, a like car. A, like a downtown. Basically. Yeah. Like a block. Yeah. Um, as for the actual balloon itself, it's, of course, not just like a giant birthday balloon or something. It is, of course, specifically designed for its job. So modern balloons are made from nylon. Sure. Because nylon is quite sturdy. And it has a high melting point, which is particularly helpful in this particular application. So the bottom of the balloon, its neck, you know, its narrowest point closest to the basket is called the skirt. Mm-hmm. And not only is this made of high melting temperature nylon, but it's also coated with fire resistant material. Sure. Because it is the closest to actual open flame, which yes. we'll get to in a second. Um, and what heats the air to create that hot air, what creates the flame? Propane. She yeah. don't lie. She don't lie. She don't lie. Propane. <laughs> Do you like that one? Uh, I think we should probably like just delete it right now, <laughs> just, to be, just to be on the safe side and make sure we don't forget. <laughs> I'm not an Eric Clapton fan, so yeah, it's fine. Me neither. Um, so the same thing that you use to fire up your outdoor grill is yeah. what makes hot air balloons yeah, whatever, fly. Whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. So propane is the modern favorite because it can be stored compressed in relatively lightweight tanks so it doesn't weigh down the balloon unnecessarily. Um, And I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of propane as a gas in this context other than to say it's fuel. It's ignitable. You probably know that. And these tanks are carried along with any passengers and cargo in literally a large wicker basket. Which I'm sorry, that boggles my mind because you have an open flame and a wicker basket. Yeah. I mean, they're not on each other, right? No, they're they tethered by those cords. Correct. I think they're Kevlar, too. I think all the cords um, on a hot air balloon are Kevlar. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyway, I'll put aside my own reservations. We'll continue. So, an intake hose runs from the propane tanks to the burner. And that's kind of lifted up. And the burner of the hot air balloon is located above the wicker basket and below the skirt. There's a little room between the actual burner and the skirt because the balloon is attached by those parachute cords to the burner apparatus. And just like a gas stove, there's a pilot light. And what is a pilot light, I may ask, because I did. Um, (laughs) It is basically just a tiny flame that can ignite gas. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that's the propane. So the balloon has burners below the skirt. The pilot of the balloon controls the burners by regulating the propane that is getting to the burner. And the method to do this is shockingly elementary. Apparently it's very similar to like a knob on a propane grill. And you just loosen it to add more and tighten it to (laughs) add less. And that's what they have to control the entire balloon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. 
It just seems it's it's who who well I was gonna say who came up with this but I'm about to tell us humans. Well, I'm gonna tell us yeah. which humans. So this is um, the anatomy of a hot air balloon. Okay. So above the skirt of the balloon are the gores, which are the long panels, the long strips of nylon. Mm-hmm. That's the bulk of the balloon, and that's why bl- hot air balloons always have those little. Circular ridges, you know, because those are the individual gores. Um, And that comprises the balloon itself, which is also called the envelope, or more uh, entertainingly, the gas bag. (laughs) So uh, the gores themselves are made up of smaller panels. That's what they're showing there by Mm -hmm. that cross-section. And then at the top of the balloon, there's what's called a parachute valve. So that little circle at the top, kind of the flat top is the parachute valve. So it's a large circle of nylon that is separate from the gores and has like a web of cords uh, because it itself is also made out of panels. Like if you kind of envision a clock and little pieces of the pie and then there are cords at each of those points that meets in a cord in the middle. And that cord runs all the way down to the basket. So when the valve is in place and when the air in the balloon is being heated, the valve seals up into place because of the pressure of the air on it. Okay. So it captures all of that heat inside the envelope. But then if the pilot wants to lower the balloon, they need to reduce the temperature of the air in the balloon. They can pull that cord and it releases the valve so that cool air can get in. Mm-hmm. And that's how they lower hmm. the balloon, which I think is that's crazy. interesting. Yeah. So you may ask, rightly, I may at this point. Okay, so how does the balloon pilot control the balloon's horizontal travel? You can lift it sure. up and down based on the air, but how do they do horizontal? The terrifying answer is they don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. They do not. So. The only thing the pilot can do is control the altitude sure. and find wind currents and different wind speeds at different altitudes. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going I, on one of those. No. Now. Oh I'm my just, goodness, no. I was like, I was like, there could be like a rudder on the bed, like a little no. something. Like there, no, they're, they're just you're just hoping. It's not of like course. you're. It's not like you're gonna go out in hurricane conditions. No, like that's you're gonna go out in pretty clear. There, yeah. The, a big part of being a hot air balloon operator or pilot is to have a thorough knowledge of what's going on yeah. weather-wise, right? So you're you're not going and, to be and just flying having in a good idea of like you know this year this usually happens the wind picks up here whatever. Well, yeah, and yeah. Read, reading weather reports yeah. like if it's bad weather they just don't yeah. go out like it, yep. it it has to be very specific conditions to be able to do to fly one. Yeah, so yeah, I think you've talked me out of it. Not that I was ever really thinking Good. I about hope it. I've talked to everybody about it, frankly. I, this is a terrible idea. So you can generally travel faster the higher you go because wind speeds tend to increase at alt- higher altitudes. Um, and then so conversely, you can slow down by lowering your altitude, typically. Um, otherwise, you're really just at the mercy of the prevailing wind. So Nope. As a result, hot air balloons don't really have a precise course that they fly. It, it, they can't really plot it down yeah. perfectly. They can't which pinpoint is, it. Which is also why they're tethered, right? Or in some cases, not all cases, I guess. I don't Typically, know. they are not tethered at all. Oh, I thought they were usually. No. Oh. Okay. Nope. They're that's, free-flowing. That's even scarier. In the wind. Definitely not doing it now. Yeah. 
No, who would? <laughs> Unfortunately, many people. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so the balloon just, if you'll pardon another pun, goes where the wind takes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey. Hey. <laughs> so to get a hot air balloon up in the air, they lay the basket on the side, right, with all the apparatus yeah, and everything. I've seen takeoffs, not like on TV and right. stuff. Right. Like, uh-huh. yeah. They anchor, like with a tether. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. The of. balloon to a vehicle, mm. like a, a ground. You have to have a whole ground crew to do this. Yeah. So to a ground crew vehicle. And then, <laughs> this is so bonkers to me, with the basket on the side mm. and the burner on the side, mm. they start the burner. Yeah. <laughs> So that it can start inflating the balloon, which then tips it up. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then starts taking off as it's, you know, straight and ready to take off, then they untether it. That's when you get in. Yeah, you get in, obviously, and then Mm -hmm. they untether it. Yes. I think it'd be more fun if they untethered it and then you get it. (laughs) You have to hold on to the basket. It's got to be an action movie. (laughs) Right. You signed up for this. You better better get in within 50 feet, otherwise it's over. Right. (laughs) You're not going to survive that one. So after blowing around at the whim of the wind, when they're ready to land, the pilot's communication with the ground crew is key and radio, walkie sure, whatever. Of course. Because the landing site can be anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> nope. That's why the ground crew needs vehicles. They have to follow the fucking balloon. Yeah, the, and then the, meet them. Yeah, it is like literally like just... A re- just it's a, a terrible a, idea. Well, like, like, just go to the store and get a regular balloon, blow it up, and then just let it go. Like, but you're bye. <laughs> yes. But you're doing that with humans yes. in a basket. Yes. <laughs> yes. Put the fucking humans in the basket. Put the First humans. Pressure. Put the humans in the basket. <laughs> or else it gets hosed again. Yeah, this is, oh. this is a really fucking bad idea. Isn't I, ne- it? I never thought how bad of an idea this was. I mean, like, shockingly, like, <laughs> it doesn't end badly like 99% no. of the time. Which is unbelievable. I know. Because this That's... is just such a bad idea. Yeah. I don't like this. Any of it. I disapprove. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. I disapprove of science in this case. <laughs> You won't even go to like the fourth floor of a club that that is a Bills bar in Nashville. It's a fire hazard, <laughs> sir. This thing is a fire hazard too. There's fucking propane at altitude. If there's a fire, you have nowhere to go. Oh, you got somewhere to go. Oh, you go down. Yeah, you got somewhere to go. It's not the place God. you want to go. So basically, the pilot is just like on the radio saying. Okay, looking for a place to land. Hey, this spot looks good. Like, literally, that's what they do. <laughs> See a field over here. Well, that's what they have to look for, right? <laughs> yeah. They can't have trees to get caught no, up in power not. lines. They it's need to be clear. And, and with how tall these balloons are, they need a huge clearance. Yeah. Because that thing's going to flop over, right? Yeah, that's kind of, you know what? Come to think of it, this all makes, that's why you only see this shit. In, in states that are very flat states yes. or have portions of the state that are mostly flat. And lots of and, desolate area. Yes. Uh-huh. And like easy markings, like it's grid, yes. it's gridded a certain yeah. way. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, there are not New York City hot air balloons. There are not. There are definitely <laughs> not. Knowledge. There's not LA ones either, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, or like in Colorado, I'm sure there are no... Or in the forest, <laughs> you know, you yeah, can't... Exactly. So, they're not yeah. doing. They're not doing this in the Alps. Or over the water. Yeah. Not yeah. there either. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the pilot lands the basket, which apparently is usually very hard. bumpy. Or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, literally, it just sort of goes... Yeah. Like skids along the ground and can be a really so, rough landing. Sounds like it's the best you can hope for. Yes. Then they meet the ground crew, who hopefully has gotten there. <laughs> I was going to say maybe. And then the, the the ground crew literally holds the basket down. The pilot opens the parachute valve all the way, so the balloon just really, really deflates. Then the ground crew has probably the worst task of all of this. They have to make sure the balloon is fully deflated and roll it up. It's like a giant fucking obnoxious like inflatable roll, air mattress. Rolling up a city block yeah. of, of nylon. But you know how annoying it is to try and roll an air mattress, oh, yeah. like, to get it back in its cover? Yeah. Imagine that with no. this gigantic thing. Yeah, I'm not, not gonna, only... I'm not going to imagine any of this, actually. I'm going to forget about it <laughs> like, once we're done with and this episode. And not only that, but usually to preserve the balloon, because you don't want to, like, oh, wreck the, these balloons. Well, these They're things so are going to be expensive as yeah. shit. Yeah. The ground crew has to lay out a tarp. A gigantic tarp yeah, on the ground just in case. that the balloon will lay on so that it doesn't get torn or dirty. Oh. So it sounds like the biggest fucking bother in the world. It does. It sounds like owning a sailboat. You got to do similar shit with a sailboat. I'm like, why would Just ever... no barnacles. But there's propane. <laughs> Barnacle. <laughs> that just reminds me of uh, Always Sunny when they buy a boat. The, bar- oh, the barnacles. Yes. The fresh oysters. We just... <laughs> Scrub the fresh oysters off the bottom. We're going to cook those. Like, no, do not cook those. In fact, like, put those back. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so that was Sciencey Corner. So onward to History Corner. So what human ever thought this was a good idea? Quite a few of them, actually. Well, the, the answer would be, as the U.S. had the Wright brothers in late 18th century France, they had... The Montgolfier brothers. Montgolfier brothers. Montgolfier brothers. That was more Russian. That was more Russian. Brussels. Yeah, brothers. <laughs> uh, why do brothers do such reckless things? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> have you ever met Tim and Chad? <laughs> you heard the stories. I'm so glad you don't have a brother. <laughs> well, they, they were, kind of. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> well, I do not have any brothers, thank God. Uh, men can be pretty stupid. So. Yeah, yeah. Especially young men. Yes. Uh, th- these guys were these were adults, but sure. <laughs> um, though the scientific principles necessary to make the concept of the hot air balloon work were well established centuries prior, Joseph Michel and Jacques Etienne Montgolfier were the first people to actually make the first functioning hot air balloon. Crazy. And if you think that nylon and propane are a dangerous combination, I do. I mean, well, but then it's, you'll, way, it's way safer, but I can only imagine the, what the oh, fuck they were they, using. You want to know what they used? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wood and a pilot stove. Like, who knows? Like, <laughs> the hot air balloon was made of linen oh. and lined with paper. That, no. Because what <laughs> could possibly go wrong? <laughs> They well, can. I mean, I guess they're, t- they're like they literally won't get more, like more than ten feet off the ground before it burns up. So maybe, maybe that's, what that's they yeah, maybe that's well, maybe they were trying. Yeah, they obviously didn't have propane tanks. No, so they literally used a fire made out of wood, straw, and wool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you? And then go up in the air with all of those things. 
Well, so... Or attempt to. They flew their balloon, and by flying their balloon, I mean they let the balloon go off on its own. They were not inside of it. Um, at the Annonay Marketplace, a bit south of Lyon, France, the balloon successfully rose, though how high it varies by source, somewhere between 3,000 feet or 914 meters and 5,200 feet or 2,000 meters. Like, that's a big... Variants. I guess we don't really know for sure. Nobody had ever seen an object that high right. in the sky Right, so they before. were just estimating. Could have been 100 feet in the right. sky. And people were like, it was, I don't think it, they had altimeters it, at that It point. was millions of miles. <laughs> millions and billions yeah, and billions and billions. Above heads. <laughs> and it traveled somewhere between half a mile to a mile and a, uh, to 1.2 miles, so 1.6 kilometers to 2 kilometers. That they would know. They would know the distance. Yes, they, yes, they would uh-huh. not know the height. Mm-hmm. But shockingly, in the end... Apparently, the whole thing did not just burst into flames. That is very shocking. (laughs) Yes, I would have predicted that as being the inevitable conclusion to this little experiment. And we have an artistic rendering at the time of the balloon. And then um, a more modern rendering of the balloon. Okay. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. That's pretty artsy. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty It was nice. very fancy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We're talking Louis the 16th France. So, yes, it was fancy. Um, so, yes, the first balloon flight was unmanned since the science of the human body at such altitudes was not no tested idea. or known. Yeah. yeah. The second flight was unmanned as well, but it was not unanimaled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Montgolfier brothers took their hot air balloon show on the road and to the palace of Versailles. Apparently, the ever-compassionate King Louis XVI thought, you know who you should send up there? A couple of convicted felons. Go ahead and send up send up some convicts. <laughs> Literally, this man wanted to send up prisoners. And uh, uh, random <laughs> we, people were ending up in jail well, at that point. We can test them on these people. Yes. <laughs> Um, so the brothers were like, um, how about we just send some animals up there instead? I mean, funny enough, uh, when we're talking about going to the, the, the moon, like, what, 160 years later, the U.S. government was like, sure, we'll, we'll take the Nazi research on what humans can go through. Yeah. Well, and also, uh, space exploration started with dogs and chimps. Of course so, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Send a living something up there. Yeah. So they sent three animals, a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. So the duck was considered to be sort of the, like, they're used to being up at those altitudes. So they were going to test the effects of altitudes on, like, an animal that was used to it. Then the idea behind the rooster was it was a bird, but it really didn't fly very high or far. And then the idea behind the sheep was it was close to a human. Mm-hmm. So sure. that was the experiment. Yeah, um, yeah, sheep isn't flying. Yeah, neither are humans, so yes. Um, now they were thinking about it. The interesting thing is these three creatures were the first creatures to ever fly on an actual aircraft, a lighter-than-air craft. So for, for thousands of years, people were, like, flinging themselves off of cliffs and gliders and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Flying machines, you know? None of them ever worked. Yeah. This is the first one that worked. So these three animals were the first in flight. Sure. Basically. It's pretty cool. It is. It kind of is. And thankfully, they survived. Although I imagine they, they were more really? than a little shaken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck are uh, these people what, doing to where, us? How? Oh, my goodness. 
So the first human attempted hot air balloon flight was about a month later. And it was one of the brothers, Jacques Etienne, though he did keep the balloon tethered. He did tether the sure. Um, So that was the first, like, and I think yeah. it was only like 50 not, feet high or something. Yeah, you're, you're not going to dive right into the deep end no, with this technology. You're like, you're going to get in the kiddie pool first and be like, all right, if th- worse things worse, you know, at least I'll be tethered to the ground. Right. So then he he lengthened the tethers sure. and went up with a passenger, Pilatre de Rosier, a physicist, later that sure. same day. Absolutely. Then about a month later that November, so this is November 1783, they cut the tethers. And Jacques Etienne de Rosier and the Marquis d'Arlande, which was an army officer, were the first humans In to flight. fly. Yes. At around 3,000 feet, or 914 meters. That's way the fuck up yeah. there. They did land safely. After about 25 minutes, they traveled about five and a half miles, or that's, nine kilometers. Uh huh. That's a long distance. When they landed, that's when the envelope started catching on fire. <laughs> but they actually were able to extinguish it pretty quickly. Everyone was fine. That is crazy. Isn't it? That is nuts. The first, quote, flight was actually 1783. Isn't that amazing? This was an industrial revolution shit. There was that movie on Amazon or one of those channels where it had, um, man, it had the, she was in Rogue One. Felicity Jones and Uh somebody else. They were talking, the subject was about somebody, like a physicist that studied all sorts of things from a hot air balloon. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like one of the first to do it. Weather and and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um... So, yeah, and this was happening during, like, Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette were watching this shit. That's insane. That's to, to put it in context. I mean, imagine being that high, I know, high in the right? sky. Because uh-huh. no other human has ever had that perspective. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Just on, like, mountains and stuff, but never in the not middle in the, of the not, air. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. correct. Like, at certain mm-hmm. altitudes, but mm-hmm. no. like Never manned, not on the ground. Like, manned flight. Mm-hmm. That's insane. 1783. Human to flight. Yep. And it took less than 100 years, or less than 100, or around 100 years to get to, like, uh, Zeppelins and stuff like that. Yeah, so let's talk about kind yeah. of the, the evol- evolution of this uh, technology. Uh, mail was carried in a hot air balloon for the first time in the States uh, just before the Civil War. A fact I found very interesting given last week's uh, topic, the Purdue Rack. Uh, in 1859, a man named John Wise tried to carry mail from Lafayette, Indiana, which is where Purdue is, to New York City, but only made it to Crawfordsville, Indiana, which we also mentioned, so he nice. barely made it any. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get very far. Um, by 1987, Richard Branson, yes, the Richard Branson, and his co-pilot, Pearl Instrand, were the first to cross the Atlantic Ocean by hot air balloon. I guess you could say that was the Virgin Atlantic flight, right? <laughs> like, do you think that's where he came up with it? I'm hoping he had that name before that, but uh, yeah, that could be. Yeah, it was the Virgin Atlantic flight. It was the Virgin Virgin Atlantic flight. In a hot air balloon. Well, so actually, that's the other thing. It was fil- filled with helium and not hot air. Yeah, so it wasn't technically different. a hot air balloon. They so. were in a balloon that yes, made it. Yes, yes, basically. Oh, that mm-hmm. made it across the Atlantic. And by 1999, pilots Bertrand Picard and Brian Jones flew a hot air balloon around the world in 20 days without stopping. That's nuts. Isn't it? 
The current world record for altitude in a hot air balloon Don't. set in 2005. Can, can I guess? Sure. Oh, man. How high in the sky could these things go? I'm going to go uh, 12,000 feet, which would be a little over two miles. That's a great guess. It was 69,000 feet Christ. for 21,000 feet. Samson the fuck out of that. I didn't think they were trying to launch them into space. Yeah, I, would, I was like, I how did this person not I die? I don't think you want to be in a hot air balloon about to leave the atmosphere with just the hot air. You're, I think you're, you're going to need more things. And, of course, we didn't really touch on dirigibles and blimps. Um, sure. Which we talked about in the Hindu yes, episode way back. So. Um, an interesting thing to note and to it's understand, insane. I know, it's right? insane. Is that hot air balloons were even more dangerous for quite some time. It took the rise and the fall of the dirigible to pass before hot air balloons evolved to be even practicable. So in 1960, Raven Industries in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, designed a burner and balloon combo that was a lot more controllable. Sure. That and that resulted in the design. A lot easier to maneuver. Yes, a lot more controllable. Mm -hmm. Even though you still can't control the horizontal. Not completely. So there's that. (laughs) At least it comes with like the whole kit. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You got the whole setup. All right. So now we've been to sciencey corner. We've been to history corner. It's time for geography corner. Okay. All right. So Alice Springs. Near Alice Springs is where this happened. Alice Springs is a town in Northern Territory, Australia. Pretty sure we've never visited Northern Territory. I think we've just been in like Queensland and Victoria. And you could probably dedicate a whole podcast to disasters in Northern Territory. Well, we're talking the bushland. Yes, so we this, are. It, a lot of the Northern Territory. Talking a lot of fables. A lot of these. Out those, back. All those people were never heard from again. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Except for Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Um, so Northern Territory is like basically smack in the middle of Australia, east to west, and it covers the northern two thirds or so. And then South Australia is, of course, to its south. Western Australia is to its west, and Queensland is to its east, and then Victoria south of that. Um, if you look look at Alice Springs on the map, it's basically smack in the center of the country. So if you just picture Australia, okay, point to the middle. That's roughly where Alice Springs is. Um, relatively speaking, Alice Springs isn't all that far from Uluru, also known as Ayers Rock, a major landmark in Central Australia, and the site of the famous The Tango White Ma Baby incident. I was going to say that sounded mm-hmm. familiar. Okay. That's where that family was uh, okay. camping when the baby went missing. Yeah. Um, anyway, Australia is a pretty amazing continent is that in that it has like most climates types of climate including desert in the central slash west central part of the country sure has a lot of desert including alice springs and i i mean i don't blame people for wanting to visit this place so the top photo is alice springs the bottom photo is uluru it's pretty cool huh? oh my god gorgeous mm-hmm. yes yeah but we've got one of those in the united states so i don't i don't need to go you mean Vegas? <clears throat> Go to Vegas yeah, <laughs> instead yeah. of, but we don't have Uluru. Well, we have the Grand Canyon. We have the different. We have the opposite. Yeah. It's much <laughs> topography. Closer. Much closer. <laughs> it is much closer. Um, though it's pretty out there in like the outback of Australia, <clears throat> it's also along the one single highway that cuts through the country north to south. Um, it's A eighty seven. 
which runs from Darwin in the north to Port Augusta, where it merges with A1, which runs down to Adelaide. And A87 is also known as Stewart Highway or simply The Track. It runs a full 2,720 kilometers or 1,690 miles. Interestingly, there is not an east to west equivalent highway that runs through the middle of the country. My guess that is because be a... it's not feasible. Yeah. <laughs> because of the huge distance and the very harsh conditions. Because yeah. that would be straight through the outback. Yep. So. Which, no, like if you broke down out there. There are films about people breaking down in the outback. Yes. There was a movie with Toni Collette where she broke down in the Australian outback with a Japanese businessman. And spoiler alert, he died. I'm trying to think of the movie that came out. It came out in like the mid-2000s. But it did take place in the... Yeah, like out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. Australia. And it was a really good horror movie. It, I, that I, would I be a horror movie setting. Well, the, the, the setting itself is just horrific. Unless and you're an Aboriginal person who's e- from that area, like no. Even if, even if you're that, it's still a harsh environment, sure. Yeah, but so yeah. And Alice Springs is very close to being exactly halfway down Stewart Highway, like okay. almost exactly. Uh, it, it's kind of a tourist town during the winter. Well, I'm gonna say you're halfway there. Yeah, <laughs> to... living on a prayer. Yes. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, um, and of course, winter being the southern hemisphere, it's roughly May to September there. Um, and it, oh, the town only has a population now of about twenty five thousand. So it's a pretty small town. Now, if you look up hot air balloon and Alice Springs, you will quickly find it's still a popular tourist activity in the area. It would be very cool if it weren't such a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you get to look at the Australian outback from a bird's eye view. That would be really cool. Like, if I was tethered, like, I would, you know. Well, you can't go anywhere if you're tethered. No, you can, but you can go up in the air and get a, you can still get a bird's eye view. I'm sure they have. Yeah, then you just stay there. Well, for. If you're going to go up, just go. No. no <laughs> just that's, don't that's, go up. That's, that's all, my That's how all these problems happen in the first oh, place. Wow. <laughs> So especially popular in the area are sunrise and sunset rides, right? Sure, because imagine how beautiful that I'm would sure look in the Australian outback. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what 12 tourists were doing mm. on the morning of Sunday, August 13th, 1989. So a group of eight people were part of an outback camping tour led by Australian Pacific. And they were in the area. They had partied the night before. I'm just going to put things into perspective. Uh-huh. I was about to start junior high. In 1989? Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking four. about August 13th. Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was like three weeks away from starting junior high at this time, and I still had a mullet. <laughs> I was four years old. I know. Mm-hmm. It's a weird time for yeah. the two of us. <laughs> That's why we didn't know each other back yeah, then, and exactly. it's a good thing. Um. So they had partied the night before. They were on vacation. You know, they were out camping. But they still managed to wake up at 5 a.m. for their early morning sunset ride. Except for one, what would turn out be, to be an extremely lucky man who was hungover. And it might be the first time a hangover s- saved a life. Because <laughs> he was like, fuck it. I'm not going. They yeah, could, Like, they couldn't get him out of bed. We know he had survivor's guilt. Oh, he sure did. He yeah. sure did. Yep. Um... Unfortunately, 27-year-old Rosemary Smith had the exact opposite luck. She decided to go last minute the night before when a spot opened up. Mm. So, and that's why 
it's shit to say everything happens for a reason. Shit just happens. It just happens. So several tourists from other groups or on individual trips joined the seven from the group who made it to the launch site. And the launch site was Toddy's Backpacker Resort in Santa Teresa, about 29 kilometers or 18 miles southeast of Alice Springs. So the ill-fated balloon was one of four or five balloons, sources differ, that were launching on the flight that morning. And they were operated by Toddy's Ballooning, Outback Ballooning, and Aussie Ballooning. They clearly don't have... All the ballooning. All the balloonings. Yes. (laughs) The pilot of this particular flight was Anthony Fraser, a 24-year-old who was about to get his chief pilot's license after this flight. That would fulfill his hours that he needed to get his license. Um, He was from Melbourne, and he wanted to start his own balloon business Flying sightseers over the wine country of Victoria. Sure. Twelve happy passengers loaded onto the balloon piloted by Anthony for Toddy's ballooning. They were Gary Dover, who is 33, his wife Jennifer Dover, who is 32, Daniel Fitzgibbon, who is 68, Praben Jacobson. Jac- okay, you you know hockey. He's Danish. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ja- Jacobson. Jacobson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, who was 26, Marie Longden, who was 51, Lawrence Murphy, who was 29, Veronica Murphy, his newlywed wife, they were on their honeymoon, who was 27, Daphne Overton, who was 66, Belinda Reed, who was 30, her mother Claire Taylor, who was 57, Rosemary Smith, who's, who we mentioned before, and Robert D'Argentine, an Italian man who was living in Monaco, and we don't know his age. The balloons took off and began to drift toward Alice Springs, Uh, Those who didn't make the first flights of the morning were piled into a minibus that would follow, you know, with the ground crew. Mm. They were going to go later in the next flights. Anthony's balloon had reached an altitude of about 800 meters or 2,600 feet. When the minibus driver who was tracking the balloon said simply, quote, oh shit, end quote. Mm -hmm. What the driver was seeing was the meeting of two balloons mid-air which is not something anyone would ever want to see or have happen. And they didn't collide like basket to basket or anything. What happened was Anthony's balloon was under um, the other Toddy's balloon, another Toddy's balloon. And that was piloted by the company's owner, Michael Sanby. The top of Anthony's balloon caught on the basket of Michael's flight. And it ripped the envelope. Mm-hmm. They said it was about a mattress-sized rip, so like yeah, maybe six feet or something. That's it doesn't. You, it can be anything, right? Yeah. Any size. I imagine like a pinprick wouldn't pop it, but you know, like anything that big sure would. Initially, the balloon sort of stayed there for a second because there was still enough hot air in it to kind of keep it aloft. Very shortly, um, and then of course physics and gravity took effect. One witness described, quote, the balloon twisted into a figure of eight, then it expanded before it sank in the middle. It came down so quickly, end quote. The balloon plummeted almost 3,000 feet to the earth in the span of about 51 seconds. There were reports. The fucking scariest 51 (sighs) seconds of anybody's life that you could ever have. Yes, and you know, um, I always say like, at least in certain disasters, like it just happens Nobody like that. Suffers. That's people, not. That's not this. Suffer. This was horrible. This was absolutely horrible. Um, there were reports that there were some witnesses says say they saw some people, a couple people try to jump, 
which again, very familiar story, 9-11, other, you know, where it's like, look, we're either going guaranteed to die or we're almost guaranteed to die, you know? So it makes, it makes sense, you know, under those circumstances. In an amazing last minute of quick and selfless thinking, Antony shut off the balloon's burners before it hit the ground at 6.40 a.m. local time outside Alice Springs, avoiding an explosion. It could have literally exploded. But even as he's about to die, he shut off those burners. So so it wouldn't affect, start a wild fucking bushfire or hurt anybody on the ground. Because they had no control over where they were landing, you know. Um, Unfortunately, jumping or not, explosion or not, there was no hope for any of the 13 people on board. All of whom died. Ten of them were reportedly found in the basket, linking their arms together. Jesus, yeah. I hope what that means is they sort of found some comfort in each other in Mm -hmm. those last moments. The other three had either jumped or been ejected. Um, It's a very grainy picture, but maybe that's for the best. There's no bodies or anything, but that's the basket. It's just decimated. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. That That is brutal. Aren't you glad we spent most of the time talking about science and history? I'm glad we did this one after I flew. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Even though you are not in anything like this. (laughs) So obviously the accident had been witnessed. The response was quick. Jesus Christ. But there was nothing to be done. No. Um, The passenger, this is, I think this was a good response. The passengers in the air and the people on the ground who were going to be passengers soon were immediately shuttled off to the hospital to be treated for shock. It's like, you guys just had a close call and witnessed some shit. We're going to check in with you because we can't check in with the people who died. They're dead and we, there's nothing we can do. Um, and in general, especially given, I mean, 89, we're moving along in mental health compared to like 59. But pretty good for 33 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it oh, is. So sure. they even, um, uh, a psychologist. Plus, plus it's a different country too. It is. That's true. A psychologist was sent to Alice Springs to help the witnesses and the rescue workers process through yeah. what they saw, yeah. you know. Those in the tour groups with the victims who had not even gone on the excursion were also offered counseling, which I think is great because it would be a little rattling to be like, I literally saw that person yesterday, whether they were a friend or just an acquaintance or whatever. We were late getting here. Uh Uh-huh. Lots of close calls, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or there were were reports of people who, um, like, wanted to get in the balloon, but there wasn't enough space and stuff like that. And you can only imagine, like, the how shaken you would be for that. Of course, all the friends and family of the victims were also deeply mourning the loss of their loved ones. Belinda Reed's husband, Peter Reed, had lost his first wife in a car accident, and now his second wife died in an equally sudden and tragic manner. And he was quoted as saying, quote, what do I do now? Uh, Yeah. You probably feel like you should stop marrying people. (laughs) That'd be the first thing. I just, what Poor fucking guy. Start, start with that. Oh, jeez. Um, and, you know, you're in Europe. Or Europe. Australia. You're in Australia. Mm-hmm. Are brothels legal there? I have no idea. They should be. They should be legal <laughs> everywhere. And do that for five years. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's an interesting interpretation. Well, that's what I'm just saying. Like, you know, 
just don't marry anybody. <laughs> gotcha. Don't and don't like get close to any woman either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the Australian Go to a brothel. <laughs> okay. The Australian Bureau of Air Safety Investigation conducted an investigation that led to the unenviable conclusion that Michael Sanby, the pilot of the balloon above Antony's and the owner of Toddy's, was at fault for the collision. So apparently he was supposed to yield the right of way to any balloon below him, but he failed to. Further, his flight was not carrying the proper required equipment, and he or investigators called him uncooperative. So there's just a lot of marks against it's because him. because he wasn't carrying the right equipment. Mm, That's yeah. and, and, he, oh, and, and he was uh, operating. It might have been a little flip shot how he was running the joint. So, can, yeah. Can you imagine seeing it from that perspective, mm, though? My yeah. God. They did also conclude that Anthony did have some culpability for the incident, that he didn't properly assess where Michael's balloon was before flying under it, although you can imagine how difficult it would be to judge that. But anyway, um, it took several years, but eventually Michael was brought up on charges of manslaughter and, quote, committing a dangerous act, end quote, which is a charge specific to the Northern Territory. And this was in 1992. The trial lasted 13 weeks, and Sanby's financial motivations for the balloon flights were brought up. Since he had invested a million Australian dollars, and that's not adjusted for inflation, in toddies just prior to the crash and charged passengers $100 each for the flight. During his testimony, Michael stated that he thought the balloon under him had plenty of clearance space, and by the time he realized otherwise, there was nothing he could do. The jury found Michael not guilty of manslaughter, Mm. but guilty of committing a dangerous act. He was sentenced to two years, but it was turned over on appeal. Okay. In 2014, at age 60, Michael would end up in the news once again. At some point (laughs) between that 92 trial and, and then, he had started up a new business in Gimby, I'm guessing it's pronounced. Anyway, it's along the Sunshine Coast, just north of Brisbane in eastern Australia. And through this business, AAA Advanced Stairlift, an equipment sales company, Sanby had committed financial fraud by submitting false invoices to a financing company to the tune of around of around one million dollars. And he pled guilty and was sentenced to five years. Yeah. So it sounds like more like he was a shitty businessman or shady businessman shitty. than he was trying and shitty. to. Shady yeah. and shitty. Then he was actually trying to hurt anybody. Yeah. But if you're a shady businessman, you'll get shitty outcomes. Yeah. Like this. Yeah. The accident shook the hot air balloon world as it I was bet. the deadliest disaster at the time. Former world balloon champion Roger Meadmore of Melbourne was quoted as saying, quote, in the 206-year history of ballooning, no balloon that was airworthy and properly maintained has ever crashed, end quote. Unfortunately, that statement would not stand, and two subsequent hot air balloon crashes would surpass the death toll, the highest at present being a crash that killed 19 people near Luxor, Egypt. Fucking kidding me. And there was one in 2016 that killed a bunch of people in Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, future episodes, anybody right. listening who would like to write one. <laughs> yes, there you go. And that, my friends, was the story of the Alice Springs hot air balloon crash. Man, that, that would be so fucking scary. Mm-hmm. Like, it really would be. They knew exactly like, what was happening the whole time. Yeah. That's and horrible. I've been I've been high up. 60 feet 
Mm-hmm. This is probably the highest I've ever jumped off something into water. Oh, uh-huh. And there's like a, man, there's a buildup and a whole, like, yeah, you're in a free fall for about two seconds. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it feels like a lot. Feels like a lot longer than yeah. that. Yeah, it really does. So it probably felt a lot longer than like fifty-one Shh. seconds to these fucking people. Fucking Christ! And it would not be a, a time that you would want to feel no. longer than. No, probably felt yeah. like fucking years. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's pretty horrible. It is. Like I, honest to God, cannot think of much more of more horrific. Fires I are know. all, but this is like torture. Yeah, I mean, it, it really, really is. is. Yeah, so, it's really horrible. Yeah. Oh my god. So lesson learned, don't go up in a fucking hot air balloon. <laughs> yeah. See, I'll go up if oh it's over god. water, I'll be able to jump out at the last second and then get eaten by a shark. <laughs> <laughs> like but but no, but I mean, no. I don't It's something I definitely would have done like as a kid. And yeah. probably wouldn't have known any better. Mm-hmm. Like wouldn't have known any of this. Mm-hmm. Um and everything would have been fine and I would have been like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I went in a hot air balloon once." But now that I'm, you know, I'm not never. I'm not not never, really, never. Uh, not really interested. Uh, and I mean, I don't want to get sued by the hot air balloon industry or anything, but I just think it's a terrible idea. I want to at least have a shot at 60. Like, <laughs> right. You know, like, this will minimize that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, in a potentially huge way. Yes. <sighs> but, uh, man. Yeah, after, what are we on again? 277. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but, I mean... And here's what I was kind of thinking about the, through this whole story is mm-hmm. there is a whole scene in Red Dead Redemption 2. I didn't mm-hmm. get to it when I was streaming uh-huh. that you go up in a hot air balloon. Really? And it, the game takes place in 1899, so uh-huh. it's still a relatively you know new thing. No, it's 100 years old at that point. But not everybody's done it. It's like No, of course not, but not everybody's yeah. done it now. It's always been a niche thing. True. Mm-hmm. But it's like, imagine going up in the sky at that period oh, of geez, time. no. I won't do it now. Well, I just did it. It's not fun. That, coming coming back to Earth was not fun this past week. Oh, <laughs> no. I mean in a hot air balloon, no. not in a plane. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Planes are a more evolved uh, Way more. technology. <laughs> oh, yeah. But good suggestion, Stephen. That was Absolutely. adequately horrible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of adequately horrible. Mm-hmm. This has been another episode of All Bad Things, and this was the Alice Springs Hot Air Balloon Crash. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.